0: Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast. You'll hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and writers that cover the NFL on a daily basis. The New Orleans Saints podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Aaron Summers.
1: Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast. Big day yesterday as the Saints named their 53-man roster Tuesday. Here's head coach Dennis Allen.
0: Always a tough day. When you have to make a lot of roster moves which we had to make today Uh, we're at 53 now Um, and look we had to release some some good players Um, there's still a lot to be done in terms of the roster with the practice squad and things of that nature so that process never really ends but um, uh, we went out and had a good practice today and and uh We're moving forward and and starting to get ready for the start of the regular season.
1: We've been talking about the kicking battle all training camp, and the Saints did go with the rookie, Blake Groupie. They traded seven-year vet Will Lutz to the Broncos for a seventh-round pick in 2024, meaning the undrafted rookie out of Notre Dame, Groupie, is your new Saints kicker.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a relief. It's been a a long camp. It's been, you know, obviously a highly competitive camp. Um, going against a guy like that that's done it for a while and done it at a high level um, you know it's, it was a relief but you know that doesn't necessarily mean anything the uh, the jobs you know still the same um, but I'm glad to be here glad to be here uh, for this team and uh, just, just thankful for the opportunity.
1: It was a decision that Dennis Allen said was one of the tough ones after a very competitive camp.
0: It was obviously a you know a tough decision um, and uh, look, we, we felt like we had a chance to get value for a player and we felt like we had another guy in the building that we had confidence in. So uh, those are always challenging situations.
1: The Saints also parted ways with punter Blake Gillikin, making Lou Headley, the undrafted rookie out of Miami, the Saints punter. On today's podcast, I'll be joined by John DeShazer and Fox 8 sports reporter Sean Fazan to talk about the initial 53-man roster and one of the more surprising moves, the release of cornerback Bradley Roby. That move Puts cornerback Alante Taylor in as your starting nickel.
2: Still have some work to do, um, but you know this is my role now. Um, you know, kind of no longer having that competition with a right now on the outside corner. I feel like that helps me um, to be able to focus just on nickel uh, and just focus on what my responsibility is, and no longer have to just rep the playbook. You know, now we can get a game plan going for the Titans, and you know I can figure out what my responsibility is and what my job is, and watch tape on who I'm about to face, and I think that'll get me ready.
1: All players the Saints put on waivers, cleared waivers, except for offensive lineman Calvin Throckmorton, who signed with the Panthers. That means several of the players that the Saints liked could land back with the team on the practice squad like wide receiver Shaq Davis, John Kirkland, and safety Jonathan Abram. For the latest... Always head to Saints.com as the practice squad will continue to take shape throughout the day Wednesday and roster tweaks can be expected as the Saints approach the first game of the season Saturday, September 10th against the Tennessee Titans. Now let's bring in the guys. John and Sean, thank you so much for joining me on the New Orleans Saints podcast today. Big day yesterday as the 53 initial roster was set. I guess let's start with just initial takeaways from each of you. Sean, what stood out to you, maybe the most surprising move that you saw?
2: Yeah, the surprising move for me was Bradley Roby. I didn't see a single person covering the team that thought, that projected Roby to be off the roster. We just figured it was Taylor versus Debo on the outside. Whoever lost that battle would kind of work their way way in some kind of way. I didn't think there was going to be a scenario where Roby was gone and Taylor kicks inside. Um, It was a surprising move, in my opinion. A little bit of a risky move because I I think even by Taylor's own admission, I know he's confident, but I think he still has some work to do uh, at that slot cornerback position. But uh, that was the one I was not expecting. The fact that Blake Groupie won the kicker battle was not foreign, and I think he had a really good camp. He certainly deserved uh, the opportunity to at least be in the discussion to win that job. Um, so that wasn't necessarily a surprise. It was I, I was wrong. I thought Lutz was going to win it, but Groupie ended up getting it, and the Saints got a seventh-round pick. So um, that didn't necessarily be a surprise. But to me, Bradley Roby was the one just because um, – He's been pretty short shorthanded at that nipple position. And now they're going to turn to Alante Taylor, who I think even he admits is a work in progress there.
1: Yeah, definitely a lot to dive into there. But John, you want to reiterate yeah. the same thing? Anything else you want to add?
0: Yeah, I mean you kind of kind of kind of have to co-sign on that one. Um, Alante Taylor, who himself says he's he's not, you know, really, really accustomed to that position, hadn't adjusted to it. Um, I don't think he had adjusted to it as well as he wanted to throughout training camp, um, but basically this is the Saints throwing him into the into the deep end, saying, "Look, it's yours. Go do it. Uh, we drafted you in the second round. We feel like you're one of our best cornerbacks. We got to get you on the field, and this is a way to do it." And the kickers, the kickers did throw me a little bit because all things being equal with with Groupy and and and. Will Lutz. I thought you go with the experience, but they were able to get a, tra- a draft pick out of it, so that's a plus. And, you know, Will Will Lutz with an undrafted <laughs> rookie, and you're able to get uh, flip it into a draft pick. And, and then the punter position, I, I I just didn't know if Headley had done enough to unseat Gilligan. I thought both guys were were extremely uh, erratic throughout the preseason. Uh, I don't think either one was consistent, and yet. They went with the, well, I say younger guy, experienced younger guy, but he's 30, so he's older than Gillikin is. (laughs) But, you know, that one kind of threw me a little bit. I I didn't know both kickers would end up out the door.
1: Yeah, that is an interesting thing to point out, the fact that he is technically older than Gillikin. But I know we talked a lot about the kicking battle, the competition there throughout camp. I don't know that any of us really paid much attention to the punting battle and thought that that was something that was going to happen what do you think it's going to take for headley to to prove himself in that position sean
2: no i i'm with you john i i thought both those guys were were inconsistent i i I wasn't even sure as i'm watching practice that i i I thought at some point they may have to look elsewhere at that position so i think for him it's a matter of finding some consistency um the punting you know it's sometimes it's glossed over but when you have a great defense which the saints defense, saints feels saints certainly feel like they have a great defense the punting ties right into that because of field position you want to give your defense a, you know, possible field position for the opponent or plus you know for your defense going up against an opposing offense so i just think it's, it's a matter of consistency clearly he showed something some kind of promise uh something you know in, in the way he kicks that gave them confidence to to push out you know Gillikin, who pushed out Thomas Morstead, arguably the best punter in this organization's history. So, look, they must see something in them. Uh, Got to trust the coaches on this one. So I really just think it's a matter of adjusting to the game and finding his consistency on a weekend, week-out basis at punter.
0: Yeah, I mean, watching those guys at practice, you know, they, were, they flip-flop days, and, and there were some times you look and say, you know – is, is the punter in the building. Um, so you, you kind of mm. wondered if one would, you know, just take control of the job. And I don't think either one really, really did. So, you know, maybe some of those days, that Sean mentioned, some of those days that we didn't get a chance to see him, um, maybe when they worked out in the afternoon, maybe that was the, the the tipping point for Headley. But, you know, you just didn't see enough, I didn't think, to get to push out the income. Of, but, you know, the, the staff had to see something. And as Sean mentioned, it, it plays right into the defense, you've got to have a consistent punter. You can't be giving away uh, those hidden yards. You can't be giving away field position because a guy is shanking and kicking off the side of his foot and those kinds of things, or he doesn't get the proper hang time and he doesn't get the coverage that he needs to get. So, you know, hopefully those are things that we'll see an improvement in.
1: Well, we'll see how he performs once week one is here and um, how the Saints really do feel about that position. We talked about Alante Taylor starting things off here it seems like it's a endorsement from the the scouts, the staff saying, Hey, this is your position. So been, I think, difficult for Taylor going back and forth between the outside and inside. And now he knows this is what he's gonna have to do. I think mentally he has to to wrap his head around that as well. It's been something that he doesn't seem like he's been completely on board with. I think it's hard for anybody when you know you're really successful at one area to you know, kind of have to have your Ego hit a little bit, and go work a different position and learn something different. What have you seen from Taylor throughout camp, or maybe just his skill set in general that makes you confident in his ability to take that spot over and be a starter?
2: He's got great ball skills. He's around the ball. Um, he's he, he's a feisty cornerback. He's not afraid to, to challenge. Um, and you hit on something that is interesting because when you hear his voice throughout camp, I mean, you could tell. He is much more comfortable outside. I mean, it was it was very clear, and he made that very clear to us. He was pretty open and honest about that. So now he has to take that confidence on the outside and now translate that to the inside. But he has to believe in the confidence that the, that coaches showed in him. Um, he has great ball skills. He's just got to realize now the, the boundary is not your friend. You got there, there are two different ways that the receiver can go now. So um, he'll adjust. I'm sure they're going to coach him up. This is way too important of a position to just leave somebody out there blind. They're going to coach him up. Uh, to make sure he understands what he's doing and knows where he's at. And now, frankly, the competition's over between he and Paulson and Debo. So now it's solely his focus. And when you have sole focus at one position, because I'm not quite sure it was there before, uh, at least in this in, in the entirety that it will be now, um, I think he will have no choice but to improve at that position. But I'll say this. If it's not there and it's a clearly a, a hole in their secondary and it's a problem, this, the coaches will adjust at some point.
0: Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is the buy-in. Is the buy-in there? Because even yesterday, after knowing he's got the job, he just didn't sound really firm about it. And so the buy-in is huge. He's got the athletic ability, obviously. But, you know, it's a different position. And when you go inside, you know, there are more things to worry about. Um. You know, you got to understand where your help is or is not, where you're trying to force a guy into and where you're not, and those kinds of things. And so it's going to be an adaptation process for him. Again, he's got the ability to do it, but does he have the buy in to do it? Because, you know, with him, it looks like it's more mental than it is physical. And and cornerbacks' position, you know, it's nickel, you know, outside, whatever. You can't be thinking. You can't be, you know, inside your head because if you're doing that, you've lost the rep before you even begin the rep. So he's got to get out of his own head. You know, he says he's a guy who doesn't want to make the same mistake twice. He's pretty hard on himself. He's got to get out of his own way and hopefully he'll do that.
1: I think it was interesting too, that he said he was leaning a lot on Tyron Matthew for advice about that position. Why do you think that that is a good person to lean on, Sean?
2: A, he's been through a lot. B, he's had a lot of success at that position and he's um, you know, he's more of a safety now, but he's always been a, a hybrid type player. Um, so he just played a lot of football and he's been through a lot in his football career and just in life in general. So it's just not a bad person to talk to. I don't know talking to Tyron right now versus when we were talking to him when he was at LSU or even at St. Aug, I mean, you can just tell how much he's matured, how much he's willing to impart that wisdom on his younger teammates. So I think it's the perfect guy to talk to just because it, there are going to be some growing pains and there's going to be some mistakes where he gets exposed and it's going to There are going to be times where he costs the defense with a mistake. Everybody goes through it. So I think Tyron Matthew is the perfect person to lean on because what he's been through, and B, he's on the position, he's played the position, and he's been very successful at the position. Probably a little more successful at the position earlier in his career in the pros than maybe even he was in college where he was a little more of a lineup all over the field type player. So I think it's the right guy, the right mentor to pick because, um, like I said before, he's just been through a lot.
1: J.D., you've talked about Ugo Amadi in the safety role. Dennis Allen mentioned him as a possible backup to Taylor there in the slot. That guy seems like he can kind of do it all. What do you like about him making the team? Well,
0: I just like that he's a guy who, put one, he put his head down and he came to work, and two, he looks like he's got that feistiness that you want, who can play multiple positions. And, you know, the Saints, they love that multiplicity from guys who can, you know, play a little slot and play a little deep, you know, play a little safety and, you know, play a little corner. They like that out of him. He can be the big nickel when you want to do that. You know, he might be, you know, if you go to a smaller, you know, kind of lineup, he might be able to line up and play a little bit of linebacker for you because he looks like he's got that physicality. And so he's probably a good candidate for it. You know, he's not a guy who's going to be lacking in the confidence. Maybe he's done it a little bit more than Elante, because I think before Elante got here, I think he admitted he hadn't played slot before. And it's one of those things where if you hadn't done it before and you don't have a feel for it, you don't really feel comfortable with it. Then he didn't do it last year because, you know, Debo got injured and so he was able to play corner. So he didn't have to do it last year. So you're trying to get him into it in OTAs. And it's just not the same when you're going out there doing it as when you get out there in training camp and the reps pick up and the speed picks up. So hopefully it's one of those things you can pick up on. But Amadi, I think, is got the temperament to do it now. Thinking you can do it and doing it is two totally different things. <laughs> So hopefully he's a guy who can do it as well as he thinks he can do it. But if the staff believes he can do it, there's a reason they believe he can do it. They they probably put him out there for some of those reps to see what he's got. And he's probably showed pretty well.
1: You mentioned linebacker there. So let's go there. We've been talking about the depth at that position all training camp and kind of surprised me the way that they handled that, you know, signing or keeping Nephi Sewell and, not keeping Jalen Smith on the original 53. Sean, when you saw that, were you a little surprised? And I know it's it's been reported that Smith is on the practice squad here and has the ability to, to be pulled up or down throughout the season. But yeah, I was just kind of, it, it was a, something that I didn't expect.
2: I didn't expect it, but when I saw it and I saw the tweet from Jalen Smith, really felt like it was more of a procedural type move, not necessarily a, okay, uh, we're going to let you go. Maybe you come back. Maybe you're not. I even asked Dennis Allen about it at his press conference yesterday, yesterday. I said, is there a chance, strong chance Jalen Smith will be back? He said, absolutely. You know, I kind of put two and two together there. Certainly felt like uh, he was on his way back just because there was no denying his instant impact. I mean, people don't realize he got here like right before the LA trip mm-hmm. and he just fit right in. He fit right in and his sideline to sideline explosiveness, his quickness, his tackling ability, um, we'll see what he can do from a special team standpoint. He even said he hadn't played much special teams, but yeah, I got to know that been report. He's been on the practice squad. This feels like one of those practice squad el- type elevated you know, player that's going to get elevated to the active roster at some point as well. So um, I think he bolsters what I believed was the a very talented group, but the thinnest in terms of numbers of uh, in terms of depth at that position. So I think it was a little surprising. But once you put two and two together, you kind of understood what they were doing there. Nephi Sewell is like, I think he earned his spot. I really do. I really think he earned his spot. He's quietly shown up. And if you're watching practice in, practice out, you, you catch a few first-team reps with Nephi uh, at times. And, you know, I think that was a telling sign. So, all in all, with Jalen Smith back on the practice squad, likely at some point to get on the active roster, I think I like where the Saints stand at linebacker.
1: What about the wide receivers? We end up with six. Are we surprised to see Traquan Smith when we haven't seen him throughout most of training camp, J.D.?
0: Not really, because they they feel like they have a really good feel for what he can do. They like him, obviously, because he's been around r- around here for years. Uh, they talk about his downfield blocking, but he can make some tough catches, too. His problem, obviously, is availability. You know, Traquan gets injured. But it's not a surprise that he's around because they like the things that he can do. Uh, If you were talking about keeping A.T. Perry and Shaq Davis both, they kind of replicate one another. So I don't know if you need both of them on the active roster. And so you then go to, OK, well, who's going to give you a little bit more on special teams? Or, you know, if you can pop a run, who's going to be a better downfield blocker and those kinds of things? And that's the thing that they've. Been able to depend on Traquan with. You know, he's a guy who understands what they want to do offensively. He understands his role. He's just got to figure out a way to stay healthy. And that's eluded him in his NFL career. I don't know why, but he's got to figure that part out.
1: Yeah. I mean, health has been something that we've talked about across the board. I think offensive line was a little concerning at points throughout training camp. And they definitely released a, a lot of players, waved a lot of players from the offensive line. How comfortable are you with that position group, Sean? Um, <laughs>
2: my <laughs> pause maybe, maybe said it all. Uh, I, I think there's some talent there. I think it has to come together. I think the starting five really boils down to Trevor Penning. Um, they're putting their faith in him. They're putting their trust in him. And he has shown some growth. He has. He still has some moments of okay, not a lot of reps and deer in headlights, and he gets beat bad. But I, to to see where he was at the start of camp to where he is now, I think I think it would be fair to say he has shown growth. He's protecting Derek Carr's blind side, so it is a key key position. Really, his growth is key to the entire offense because if, if you've got a, a hole there, then you have a you have a major problem uh, with the entire operation of your offense. So I like the offensive line depth wise. I'm not sure any team in the NFL has great depth along the offensive line, but you do have a guy in Andrews Pete, assuming, let's just say he's a backup. If not James Hurst, two guys, both those guys you can count on. Max Garcia is a veteran you can certainly count on Landon young. I know he's hurt right now. So that's something that, you know, uh, you got to watch go for in And the young rookie Nick Saldo very. So I don't know that you feel great about depth along the offensive line, but I think it's pretty much right in line with the rest of the NFL I'm curious if Penny can be a player that they draft him to be, become that player, uh, a good pass blocker and an elite run blocker, and it bolsters the offensive line. then maybe you're 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 multiplying the, the entire output of the offense completely because of how much better the offensive line can get. But that's still a little bit of a wild card for me heading into the season.
1: Yeah, I mean it's unfortunate that he missed so much time last season and wasn't able to grow in his first year. Speaking of this year's first year players everybody that was drafted makes the team. It, how rare is that? Or was that something that you expected, JD?
0: It's pretty rare. Um, You know, Salvador, you, you wondered if he had made enough impact to to, to make the, the, the 53 man. So, you know, you kind of wondered on that one. A.T. Perry was right on the edge between he and Shaq Davis. So you might have wondered a little bit there, but it seemed like everybody else pretty much had kind of Earn their way on and you kind of got a good feel for. them, And so, but it is rare. It, you know, that's one of those things where, you know, as a staff, as an organization, you want to be right on your picks. I mean, you're going to give those guys – a pretty good, you know, a pretty good amount of leeway to make the roster because you want to be right on your picks. You want to develop those guys. You want those guys to be in-house and you want them to be a part of the team and, and you get them on those rookie contracts and you get a chance to kind of hold on to them a little bit and control those salaries for a while. So, you know, but to, but to be able to have them and to feel good enough about them talent wise to keep them. And especially knowing that Rasee is going to play. Um, Fosky might be a little bit more developmental uh kendry miller's going to play At miller looks At, A.T. perry excuse me looks like he's going to play or uh, jordan howden is going to be in one way or the other whether it's special teams or whether it's in the regular rotation so you know they've got some guys who are going to be on the field for them.
1: yeah coach allen always talks about how they like to find talent develop talent here and mickey loomis i mean i feel like They've put a lot of stock in their scouting department and finding players, undrafted free agents and developing them. I mean, Jawan Johnson, somebody that has done phenomenally here and was not drafted, got released his first year. I mean, do you think that plays into it as well? Is it just the the front office saying, hey, we we trust and believe in our scouts and what they're seeing out there. So we're going to stick with these guys, Sean.
2: Absolutely. But, you know, they've never been afraid in the past to. You know, to part ways of the draft pick, they felt like an undrafted guy had outplayed him. The famous story back in 07 with Pierre Thomas over Antonio Pittman. There, I think was he a fourth-round pick that year? I think he was. Something like that. They chose Pierre Thomas over that player. But in more recent times, yes, absolutely. Um, They trust their board. They trust their scouts. They trust their overall roster kind of makeup, uh, where the player can fit, where that player can uh, you know, project to, to, to contribute. And I thought J.D. said something important. It, this this class didn't just make the roster. I think four guys are going to play. I mean, I think it, J.D. mentioned, I mean, you talk about Brazil. You're talking about Kendra Miller. You're talking about Jordan and I think A.T. Perry's going to work his way into the rotation. We'll see what happens with Foskey. And obviously, Hanner is the guy that's going to be the third-string quarterback this year. But um, so you got guys that are, you didn't just draft, but guys that could you know, that can you know contribute right away. So, yeah, I think that's certainly part of it. But I also think there is a level of patience that comes in with – not just your scouting, but also, okay, look at Jawan Johnson, a wide receiver to tight end convert. This year, I mean, you ask around. I think Jawan Johnson is um, in for a huge year uh, for the Saints this year. He's a perfect example. Uh, a guy like you know, Malcolm Roach, is, I mean, he was one of the most improved players that we saw on the team. Uh, this year was an undrafted free agent. So it, it's, 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 it's draft, it's developed, and it's a little bit of patience that hopefully these guys are going on the right tra- trajectory. And for some of those guys, I think they are.
1: You guys both mentioned Kendra Miller and the need for him to play. It's going to be a big factor early in the season when Alvin Kamara is out for those first three games. You think it's, you know, Jamal Williams, Kendra Miller, and then Kirk Merritt makes the squad. How confident are you in in that group in AK's absence, J.D.? Well,
0: I think Kirk Merritt was a surprise to me, but they, they kind of feel like he might have some of those Kamara qualities. Um, Kendra Miller's showed the catch he made against the Chargers on the wheel route was fantastic and that's something that i don't know that we knew he could do <laughs> we know he can run the ball didn't necessarily know if he could catch it especially that way so him doing that kind of shows you a little bit of something too so i think they feel decent about it i don't know if you feel great about it because alvin kamara is one of the best running backs in the league And when you don't have him you're missing something especially in the passing game even if the rest of those guys are able to handle the running workload you know, Alvin, you can do so many things with as a receiver. You can line him up in the slot if you want to. You can probably line him up wide if you want to. He'll run between the tackles. He can get outside, you know, and especially when you get him in those situations where he's one-on-one with the, with the linebacker and he's got those choice routes. That's advantage Kamara. I don't necessarily know if the rest of those guys have that yet, so that's what you're trying to see if they have and if you're going to be missing without Alvin Kamara. But, you know, I think they feel decent enough about it to where, you know, you hope you can get by three games without him and you get him back and he's got the fresh legs and he's raring to go and those kinds of things. So we'll see exactly how that develops. But it looks like Kendra, looks like he's ready for the task because he played a pretty good game against the Chargers.
1: Yeah, Sean, I know you've been there throughout training camp. You were there in L.A. watching Kendra as well. He says he wants to get involved in the past game. He definitely has shown that I think his skill sets are there. Is he ready to go?
2: Yeah. I, I thought, you know, we, we did a little segment uh, here at the station, popping a, a few plays in preseason. There's a difference between that and showing something in preseason that I think is sustainable. It's going to carry over the regular season. When I saw the wheel route, Kendra Miller, I immediately thought, okay, now he's ready. Um, Because that was the biggest knock on him. Can he be that player? Can he give you that? Because um, you need to do that within the Saints offense with the way the system works. And sometimes a a play gets changed and a back has to to run a route out of the backfield. And if you can't do that, then it limits what you can call. And if you can do that, obviously, you, you get on the field. And plus, there were a couple of times he was fantastic, not good, fantastic in blitz pickup, which I think is crucial to his development as well, because once again, when you check in or out of a play, sometimes that back has to stay in and pick up the blitz. And if you're not able to do that, that could cause a catastrophe on a play. So I think he's ready to go. He's a guy you can count on. You know, they threw him the ball a lot, even when it wasn't wheel route or choice route, just, just out of the backfield, just to the flat. I mean, they threw, the, threw him the ball a lot just for him to get used to that repetition of catching the ball uh, off the quarterback's you know throw. So I, I do think he's ready. But I also agree with J.D. in this. They feel somewhat comfortable as long as it's three games without AK any more than that. I think there may be a little bit of hesitancy with what they have at this position. Cause I think you can survive with Miller Williams and even Kirk Murray, who was one of the biggest surprises of making the roster on the, uh, in my opinion, on the entire team, but any more than three games, I think there might be um, some moving and shaking in that running back. Running. But I think it can survive the three. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: And Sean made a great point with the blitz pickup, because if, if you can't do that, then when you're on the field, it's a tell. If you can't pass block, then they know you're just out there to run it. You're not a threat to be able to stand in there and help out. So they know your limitations, the opponent does. But when he was able to do that, now you look at it differently and say, okay, you can trust him to make sure that Derek Carr isn't going to get knocked out because it's his his responsibility because he doesn't pick up a guy.
1: Mm -hmm. We made it through training camp. We have the 53 set as it is Mm -hmm. now. We are approaching the first week of the season. What are our expectations now that we know who we're rocking with, Sean?
2: Look, I've been pretty consistent. You know, when the moves were made in the offseason, when those moves were translated onto the field and all OTAs and training camp, I just get a good vibe from this team. I get a good sense that this team is pretty well balanced, you know, at least with the starters, um, a favorable division. I hate saying favorable schedule because you just never know. But on paper, okay, it looks somewhat manageable. Um, so I I would be disappointed if this team doesn't win the NFC South. I, I think that's a legitimate goal. I think that's a legitimate uh, and realistic uh, you know goal for for this team. So I'm thinking ten or eleven wins, and I would be disappointed, barring some crazy circumstances, if they weren't atop the NFC South and hosting a playoff game. And who knows what happens
0: after that.
1: That would be nice. It would be nice to be back in the playoffs for sure.
0: Absolutely. I mean, and I'm on the payroll, so of course I'm going to say win the (laughs) NFC South. Um, But, you know, they've got the best quarterback for my money in the division. And if you've got a quarterback in the NFL, you can win. And Derek Carr, I think he's finally in a position where he's not going to have to carry a team. He's got a defense to kind of help him out and get him some extra possessions, hopefully, and bail him out a little bit and <laughs> you know, get him in situations where every game in the shootout where you, you don't have to score 28 or 30 to be able to win the game. And if you're in those situations, you know, every now and then you might have to make a throw. He looks like he's capable of making the throw to get you out of the game as opposed to, you know, hey, maybe punting it and putting the defense back out there maybe on third and seven with, you know, two and a half minutes left, and you probably need a first down to hopefully close it out. He looks like he's the guy who can get that first down and close it out because he, he throws guys open. He doesn't just throw it to the open guy. He throws guys open, throws it to where only they can catch it. And so I think that's something that the Saints have been missing these last couple of years.
1: Yeah, well, we're going to be able to see it here pretty soon. I'm excited that the regular season is about to start, and we can see what that first drive that we saw in the first preseason game just – you know, over and over and over again. That would be nice. I appreciate it, guys, so much for the insight on the roster, and I know we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Thank you to John and Sean for joining me on the New Orleans Saints podcast, given their insight into the initial 53-man roster, and as mentioned, the suspension for Alvin Kamara is in effect now, so he was not at practice on Tuesday. He will be able to rejoin the team in a month, after his three-week suspension is over. With the holiday weekend, we'll be taking Friday and Monday off on the Saints pod, so we'll be back with another episode next Wednesday as we will officially be in game week. Looking forward to it. Have a great weekend, Saints fans.
0: Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast. Join us three times per week on neworleanssaints.com, the Saints mobile app, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Saints podcast.